Well, we are going to be talking about Christmas stories, and it's going to be a great time for us to just get focused on the, the real meaning of Christmas. So I wonder when it comes to you guys, how many of you guys have uh, gotten about 50% of your Christmas shopping done? You got at least 50%. Anybody? Okay, anybody say, I've got 90% done? Got a few? Okay, any, anybody say, I'm done? Oh, yeah, there we go. Got some overachievers. You guys get extra credit. So, um, But, yeah, we, we, we do. When it, when it comes to this time of year, we get focused on this whole idea of, of getting our gifts and getting all that done, and we get our house ready. So how many of you guys have begun to uh, decorate your house? Anybody decorating your house? There we go. So here's the thing when it comes to decorating. I, I think people, that there's some people, they just decorate a little bit on the outside. There's some people that they say, I'm going to decorate just a little bit on the inside. There's some that even say, eh, why not a little of both? And, and then there's always that neighbor it just goes all out, right? And, and they're just like, boom. I mean, it's just there. It's like in your face. And they're like going, I can't wait to celebrate. And, you know, and they do. And they celebrate. And they just put it out there big time. You know, well, we do. We, we are getting into the Christmas spirit, the Christmas season. And so I, I think that uh, as we keep getting closer and closer, more and more preparation is going to take place. I don't know if you're like us, but Cheryl has already taken the time to wrap some presents and have some presents out on display in our house. In fact, she's already gotten some of the gifts out of the way and what we want to give, what we want to give to people. And so we, we actually had our niece's son over um, this weekend. And Cheryl has his gift already there, and it's already wrapped. And he was walking by, and he saw all the presents. He goes, Christmas presents? He's in kindergarten. Christmas presents? You guys have Christmas presents already? You know, and, and so we said yes, but we didn't say, yes, and yours is there too. You know, Because so, we, we didn't want him to do this. <laughs> and, 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 and try to begin to, to figure out what it is. You know, when, when, when you think about some of your experience with, with Christmas, how, how many of you, whether you're a grandparent or whether you're a parent, that, that you have to wait for some of those certain gifts to put them out the night before? Because if you don't put them out the night before, that, that they're going to like kind of measure them and, and weigh them and shake them, and, and they're going to just figure out what it is that, that you have gotten them, and they're just going to take the surprise away from you. I think we can all relate to that. I'll tell you something that, that's happened with me that's probably happened to most everybody else in the room as well. And that is, when I was a kid, for me, Christmas was all about what I was going to get. That, that's just at Christmas. I love Christmas time because of what I was going to, going to get. But, but as an adult, it, it started to shift. And, and I think that that shift became complete when I became a parent. And it was now no longer about what do I get, but it's more about what do I get to give. And, and there's this incredible joy that comes when we think about how the, these people that we love and we just want to do something, we want to bless them, we want to do something for them, we want to get them something. And, and so we do, we, we go, hey, this is something I want to, and so we take great delight and great joy and what we give. And so I take far more joy now in what I give than in what I get. And probably many of you are like that as well. And, and I think we come by that honestly. I really do. And I think the reason we come by it honestly is because I think that God is the greatest giver. He's the greatest gift giver. And, and we're created in his image. And I think it gave God great joy and great delight. To, to give Jesus what we really understand Christmas to be all about, to, to give the gift of his son. And so we do, we, we come by it honestly that we actually get to enjoy what it is 
that we get to give. When I think about Christmas, Christmas is this time when God says, I'm going to illuminate for humanity who I am and what I want to offer. And that that's what Christmas is. And I think it's very possible that there's some people in the room or some people that you're watching online. And that this Christmas, it's, it's already feeling differently than, than the other Christmases. That, that, that this Christmas might be a difficult Christmas for you to be approaching this year. That it might be difficult because, because life's, been, life's been hard this year. It's been challenging. That, that this Christmas, as you're approaching Christmas, that you're approaching it and you've, you've lost a job. And it's hard for you to, to think about the, the joy of Christmas. You're thinking of the, the burden of how do I get gifts for people that I love. And so you, you feel the burden of this. This might be the first Christmas where your, your marriage is falling apart. And you're not going to be spending Christmas with the spouse that you've always spent Christmas with. It could be that, that this Christmas might be especially hard because there's a parent that's not going to be present at Christmas for the very first time ever. And that, that when you think about Christmas this year, it's, it's heavy. And, and, and it seems like there's some, some joy that, that's missing with what it is that you want to experience like you've experienced in the past with Christmas. Because you've just got some heartbreaks and heartaches that you've been going through. But I want to encourage you to not let that be what would keep you from celebrating the real meaning of Christmas. Because see, it is great to be able to spend Christmas time with people that we love, with our families. But it's a greater thing to celebrate Christmas for what it really is. It's, it's the gift that God has given us. That Christmas is God's present of his presence. That that's what Christmas is. It's, it's God's present of his presence. That when Jesus came into the world, it was the gift of his presence like never before. And that we need to understand and focus on Christmas this way. So don't, don't, don't let the circumstances and the hardships rob or steal the joy and the reason to celebrate Christmas. No matter how difficult it might seem that this Christmas might be. One of the things that, that we do as a church, we've done this since the beginning, and, and that is that, that we do a a My Christmas Offering is what we call it. And, and, and I, I love what we get to do with our My Christmas Offering. And, and with our My Christmas Offering, we actually always look for how are there some things, what are there, what are, what's out there that we can partner with, that we can do something with for, for some great causes, great organizations, great ministries. And so just a few weeks ago, we had Adult Teen Challenge here. 
And we had them here. We had them bring in several guys that came in and shared some of their story and their testimony and, and how this organization, this ministry, has done so much to pour love into them and try to help rescue them from a life of, of addiction. And, and it was just an encouraging time. Well, we're giving a third of our My Christmas offering to them. We're giving another third of our My Christmas offering to Sam Ayer Ministry. And, and this is a ministry for South America, and it's a ministry that we're going to be doing. We're giving to Bolivia's cause is what we're doing here, where they take and they have a plane and they fly into areas that are so hard to travel to any other way. It just takes so long and be so difficult. And as they fly in and they travel in, they do a few different things. That they fly in medical supplies. They actually fly in doctors as well. They'll fly in dentists and regular medical doctors as well. They actually will take and they'll fly in other missionaries that will go in and, and preach and share the gospel, the good news, and speak in the language of the people, which is a Spanish language. And so they, they do this. And so we're going to be partnering with them. And we're going to be giving them a third of this offering as well. And then we're going to take the other third, and we're going to be using that to be able to give that to people that are down and they're, they're hurting, they're financially struggling. And, and so they, they come in, whether they just cold call us, whether they're part of our church already, and, and they do, they, they reach out to us. And so if you want to be somebody that's going to help with our My Christmas Offering, one of the ways that you can do that is you can just text 555-888, and you can text that keyword, My Christmas Offering, all one word. And it's going to give you a link of how you can give to that. But let me just tell you a little bit more about how we end up helping people when they are finding themselves in very difficult times financially. That they'll reach out to us as a church. And so when they do, that we always pray with them. We, we want them to know, hey, we're here. We're, we're going to pray with you. They fill out an application. We have a formal process. And within that formal process, they, they, we have a, a team that actually looks at that, prays over that, and makes a decision of what we're going to do. If we're going to do something, how much we're going to do, they do, do all that. And then when we let them know if we're going to be supporting them, and they've heard it before because they hear it when they first come in, we let them know our process because we actually require that they would come in and sit through a service with us in order to get that assistance. Now, you guys know why we do that, right? Because we have the greatest communicator ever on the face of the planet. No, that's not, that's not why. That's not why we do that. It, we, we, we do it because we believe that they're so focused on a temporary need, we want to make sure that they don't miss out on fulfilling their eternal need. That, that, that is the, the sole reason and that, that we just believe that, that if they could come in and they could hear a message of hope and a message focused on Christ, a message focused on eternity, that, that, that there is a good chance if they don't already know Jesus, that, that, that God will do something with that. If they do already know, that maybe they just need to be reminded. And so it's just a great way for us to be a church and to love on people in our community. And so when you give to that, that's what you're giving to. So, so with this series, Christmas Stories, we're going to be starting and getting our start with this whole idea of from promise to presence. From promise to presence. What, what, what's been the promise? What, what did God promise long before Jesus ever came from promise to presence? And so we're going to start by looking at one of these, these promises. It was over 700 years before Christ came. There's this prophecy of, of what would be taking place. And we're going to look at this Old Testament book called 
Isaiah. In this Isaiah, he was a major prophet, did a lot of things, spoke to a lot of people, and spoke a lot of prophecies that were ended up being fulfilled. And so we're going to look at one in, in Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the seas, will be filled with glory. So there's going to be a time that, that Galilee is going to be filled with glory. Jesus' public ministry was in Galilee. He, he was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. He did this public ministry here in Galilee. Verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. That, that's important to note. In fact, if, if you've got a printed Bible and you just want to circle that, if you've got an electronic Bible, you want to make a note of that, that, that is a very significant thing for us to catch and to pay attention to. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. The, the God is going to be doing something, and, and this light is going to shine, a great light. Now, I think that, that if Jesus would have just shown up, that, that if Jesus never would have been announced, never would have been promised, here's what's coming, that, that I, I think that there would be even more doubt today than what there already is about Jesus being the Savior of the world, being the Son of God. And so God, he, he did what? He he, he, he announced, he announced with prophecy, and his prophecy was his promise. And as he does this, he, he does this so that we can have an expectation, an anticipation of what would come. Now, now it's outside of our timeline. But, but, but they got to see this 700 years before he would come. It was written down. It was something that was studied. It was something that was read. It was something that was taught. And so for years after years after years, they, they keep seeing this and knowing that this is one of these prophecies about how God's going to end up fulfilling and it's there so that when he would come, it would be, okay, you're the one. You're, you're fulfilling what was promised. You are now the, the presence of that promise. And it becomes important to us and an anchor point for us within our faith. Well, I also want us to look in, in Luke this morning. And Luke, he's a writer, and he wasn't one of the disciples, one of the 12. But, but Luke is this guy that, that he did a lot of research trying to figure out, hey, I want to get all of the deets. I want to get the details. I want to be able to lay it all out. And so he did. He did a lot of research. And we're going to be looking at some of what he ended up sharing. And what he ends up sharing is he ends up sharing, and we're going to be looking at a, a time where this guy named Zechariah is speaking. And we're going to be looking at the words of Zechariah. And so Zechariah, you might not know who Zechariah is, but there's a good chance that, that you've heard of John the Baptist, J the B. You, you, you've heard of that guy, most of us at least. And if you haven't, that, that's okay too. But, but John the Baptist, this is his father, Zechariah. And so Zechariah, we're going to get to see what he has to say, but let me give you a little bit of the backstory before we get here. So Zechariah, he's, he's well into his senior years, and he is married and his wife as well into her senior years. They had prayed for years and years and years 
that, that God would give them a child. They didn't have any children. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And, and I think it's a prayer that they gave up on. In fact, it might have been a prayer that they even kind of retracted once they reached a certain age. I can kind of relate to that. There, there were several, probably 25 years ago, Cheryl and I used to pray this prayer. God, would you just take us to Colorado? We, we, just, we just wanted to go do life in Colorado, do ministry in Colorado. We, we just prayed and we would beg. We prayed that often, frequently. And, and, and then about 20 years ago, we were like, um, hey, God, uh, scratch that. Please, please don't fulfill that. We, we don't want, we, we, were, we just want, and I wonder, you know, did Zachariah and Elizabeth, they get to this age where they're like going, uh, yeah, yeah, please, please don't answer it now. And here's Zachariah, and he's, he's, he's tending to the temple. He's burning incense. He's taking care of things. And there's an angel that shows up. And it's not just an angel. It's, it's a named angel. And this is Gabriel. And Gabriel shows up. And he tells Zachariah, the Lord has heard your prayers. You and your wife are going to have a child. Now, he knows his own age. He knows his wife. And he's like going, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And he didn't believe the angel that he would have a child, that they would conceive. And the angel told him, <clears throat> well, because you didn't believe me when I told you this, you're not going to speak again until he has been born. And then the angel goes on to tell him, the significance of his child. See, Gabriel came and he announced two children within months of each other. This one was the first one. The second one was when he ended up showing up to Mary and letting her know that she, who was a virgin, would end up conceiving and having a child. Both times he lets them know what they're going to name their children. So now there's Zechariah. He didn't believe. And he goes back. And he's trying to communicate to his wife without speaking what's going to happen. And having to write things down. And, and, and do signs. And, and, and all of that. Doing charades, I'm sure. And, you know, hey, yeah, you won. You know. And, and so, so he did all that. And so now she knows. And, and then she ends up becoming pregnant. And she's not surprised because she, like, knew all of this. And he wasn't able to speak. And then he's born. And when he's born, somebody questions, says, hey, well, what are you going to name him? You don't even name him until seven days later anyways, but, but what are you going to name him? And Elizabeth, she said, we're going to name him John. And they're like going, John? No, nobody in your family is John. Why would you name him John? And they're all looking at Zechariah like, uh, you better say something if you don't want his name to be John. And he's like, mm, he can't speak. And so they handed him a tablet. And, and he wrote down, I don't know if it was an iPad or what, I just know it was a tablet is what they said, you know. And so, so he wrote down on it, and he, and he put down there, his name is John, and as soon as he wrote that, he could speak. And so we're going to get into what it is that he spoke, what it is that he actually says. And so we're going to get started, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 76. This is going to be right about in the middle of everything he had to say. And so if you want extra credit, you can go back and read the first part of this on your own. But we're going to pick it up in verse 76. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You see that? Most High in caps. 
the way of the Lord. You are going to be preparing the way for the promised one. And he knows this from what Gabriel's told him, that your whole presence here is to be able to come and announce the presence of one greater than you. And he's saying this to his infant newborn son. Verse 77, you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. This was new. This was radical. Before, they're thinking, we find salvation through obeying the law. And when we disobey, we need to get forgiveness of it. But we got to get back to obeying the law so that we can earn our forgiveness. He said, no, you're, you're going to be telling people how they're going to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. This light from heaven to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to guide us to the path of peace. That's what he's going to do. Is to to guide to the path of peace. So I want to share with you just briefly about prophecy. I I, I want to share with you just just these, these five significant, five major things that happens when there is prophecy. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I think it's important for us to just take a look at and to see. Prophecy, it produces expectations. When, when, when there's this, this promise of, of what's going to happen, there is now an expectation. It produces some expectations of what's going to There's this insider information that we get to know about something that will be happening. That prophecy also, it, it offers hope is one of the things that that prophecy does for us. It reveals what's going to happen. It just usually doesn't reveal when it's going to happen. But we get to know the what. That that prophecy, it evokes courage. That that, that it does something within it, and it it causes us to, to have a sense of courage in times of uncertainty and in difficult circumstances because of what's been promised that we end up having some courage. That the prophecy, it, it builds confidence. It builds this confidence and it's confidence in God. It's not confidence in us. It's confidence in God. And the reason prophecy builds confidence in God is because he's already done other prophecies that have already been fulfilled. And so he's got a, a history of giving prophecy and fulfilling it, giving prophecy and fulfilling it, giving. And so it builds confidence that we get to know, hey, wow, here's something else God is going to be doing. And when we look at prophecy, it also it establishes proof. That it establishes proof because it was foretold when it takes place. It establishes proof. The the evidence is so strong that it is there to prove what God is, who God is, what God is up to. So let's look in John chapter 1. Now, John chapter, well, just the whole book of John. The book of John is often what, what people 
get advice given to them. Hey, if you're just kind of getting to know God, if you're just wanting to start picking up the Bible and reading it, you really don't have a healthy basis, understanding you want to start somewhere. A lot of times people end up recommending the book of John. I personally think the book of John is a terrible place to start. And the reason I think it's a terrible place to start is because people start in chapter one. And if they would start in chapter two, I'd be like, go for it. Start in chapter two of John and just keep going. But I think chapter one is a terrible place for somebody to start because I think it it just puts some confusion out there just from the very beginning, right out of the gate when you get started, chapter one, verse one. I'm just going to show you. You can see what I mean. In the beginning, the word already existed. Okay, so we got this thing that says, okay, in the beginning, word existed. Okay, let's keep going. In the beginning, the word already existed and the word was with God. So the word existed. Word was with God. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, now for several of you in here that you're already educated, you already understand this, you know exactly what this is, you're like going, oh, I love this verse. But then there's some people that are probably in the room, people probably watch it online, people that haven't read this yet, they're going to get to this, and they're going to go, um, in the beginning was the Word, the, the Word was with God, the, the Word was, What? And they're just going to fold it up and give up because it's just confusing. That's why I think it's a terrible place to start. But I want to make sure that everybody here gets a, a clear understanding of what this is and what this is saying to us. Because when you get into the original language, you get to understand some things about this. If, if you notice, I don't know if you did or not, but, but if you notice, word was capitalized. And the reason that word was capitalized was because of the original language of what word was used. There there was two words for word. I know, it's confusing. There's two words for word in the Greek language. One of those words is rhema. And rhema is what you would use just for everyday talking about and talking about words. You know, hey, let's play rhema with friends. You know, that's that's word. Okay? And, and, And then there's logos. And you didn't go around saying, hey, let's play Lagos with friends. You, you, didn't, you didn't do that because Lagos was different. Lagos was a very specific, and, and Lagos is what's used right here. That's why it's capitalized. And Lagos, when we look at this, we get to understand that Lagos is Jesus. And so I'm going to ask them to bring this verse back up, verse 1, and I'm going to I'm going to read it, and I'm going to take a little bit of liberty as I read this to you. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. That's what John chapter 1, verse 1 is saying to us. And if you can grasp that and understand that, then go for it. Start in in John chapter 1 and start reading and just press on. Because if you can grasp that, then it is a very good place to start. Verse 2, he existed in the beginning with God. Who's he? He is the word. Who's the word? The word is? Oh, say it like you're educated. There you go. Okay. Verse 3, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. And I know some of you guys are already wanting to earn extra credit and read more of uh, Luke chapter 1. So you can go read Colossians chapter 3 and you can find out even more about Jesus being this active agent in creation. But he was. 
And he was there. Everything was created through him. Verse 4. The word, and you know the word as? Jesus. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everything. Light to everything. It's important for us to understand who he is, what he is doing, and what he is up to. He's brought this light to everyone. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Never. Not even when he gets put up on a cross and gets crucified because he rose again three days later, which incidentally was promised, prophesied about that that would happen. Verse 6, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe, might believe because of his testimony, of what John's doing, what John's saying, how John is preparing the way. Any way that he could say it, spray it, wheel it, and deal, he's letting people know, listen, I'm not the significant one here, but there's one who's coming after me. Who is? John, it means gift of God. See, the angel said, you're going to call him John. That's going to be his name. Gift of God. And not just because he was a gift of God to, to Zachariah and to Elizabeth, because he was a gift of God to the entire world, just announcing and, and, and sharing, preparing that the light has come and he would announce and lead the way. Verse 9. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, that would be the Israelites, the Jews, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. To, to everyone, not, not just Jewish people, not just Israel, to anyone who accepted and believed him, he gave the right, and they became children of God. Verse 13, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. We've got this phrase that, that we don't say a lot anymore, but it's born again. And born again is when, when somebody understands it who Jesus is, and that they believe in their heart of who, that he is God's son, that he gave his life on a cross, that he was raised from the dead three days later, and, and when they believe that they are born again, born anew, and it's a spiritual birth, and it's that birth that gives us that adoption into God's family. Verse 4, so the word, Jesus, became human, and he made his home among us. He was full of of unfailing love and faithfulness. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. A, a way to understand what's being said right here, that he was full of grace and he was full of justice. He was full of grace and this justice would be, would be truth. It's the truth side. And so he's, he's full of grace and he's full of truth. And, and so Jesus, he wasn't like, oh, he's 50% grace and he's 50% truth, and that's what makes him. 
He is 100% grace. And he is 100% truth. Defying the laws of physics, he was 100% both. And Christmas, we need to get this and understand just what God is and what he is doing. He is our father and he has sent his son for us. In the last part of verse 14, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the word. We have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. See, the word isn't just something to live by. The word is someone to live with. It's not just something to live by. It's someone to live with. And Jesus, that he is our link to heaven. That, that, that he came to be our link. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we look at this and we say, look, The virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That Christmas is God's present of his presence. That it's God giving us this gift, and it is God's present of his presence. That's that's what Christmas is. That, that, that it's that light of the world that has come to us. And not just came to us, he came for us. The light of the world has come for us. And this Christmas, instead of focusing on, on the problems of the present, focus on the delivered promise of Jesus' presence. Because that's the heart of the story of Christmas. One last passage. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus was saying this. I am the light of the world. That if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness Because you will have the light that leads to life. He is. He's the light of the world. Illuminating the way. And that when we understand this, that God sent Jesus into our darkness as the shining light. And as he shines his light, he shines it so that we can see, you know what? There's darkness in our life and that we don't need that. It's not good for us and we can be forgiven from that and the light can shine in and we can see and find our way to God because of his light. He illuminated the way back to God. And the way, it was himself. That he is the way. And Christmas, it reminds us that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. And he had promised hundreds of years before Jesus came that he was coming. He didn't just promise it once, 
promised it multiple times. We just have to look at just one in Isaiah 9 this morning. But God keeps his promises. And I want to challenge you this morning. And here's the challenge. Don't get lost in the commercialization of Christmas. Don't get lost in it. But instead, with every Christmas light that you see, let it be a reminder that God keeps his promises and he delivered the light of the world. And let every light remind you of that and be something that points your heart toward your Savior. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your light into the world, not just to us, but for us. God, I, I pray that, that for every one of us here that we're already convinced, Jesus, of who you are, I pray that this Christmas would, would be a time that, that we would really focus and hone in and celebrate you coming to rescue us. God, for anybody that, that they're just still struggling, trying to figure out, Jesus, who you are, I pray that, that this Christmas, that, that, that you would just keep using your spirit and using other people, and I pray that you would show and illuminate so that they could see the truth of who you are and that they could be forever welcomed into your family. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.